one, the first stop you should make for your motorsport fix. I'm Sid. I'm joined with Devon and Lily today. Unfortunately, Maris could not be with us. She is currently on holiday. As you can tell, we're joined with someone else. Um, we, we talk about this person quite a lot sometimes on the podcast. <laughs> we like this driver quite a bit. And he actually agreed to sit down with us. We're joined with Marcus Armstrong. <laughs> this is kind of hey a big everyone. deal for us. I Carry actually on. saw like a wee... I don't know how do you how do you say it, but it's like a small snippet of one of the things that someone said about me. It was yeah. ages ago. I don't remember. <laughs> it was definitely oh, that was me. <laughs> it was definitely <laughs> Yeah, and then I I think you guys messaged me like what six months ago and said, "Hey, can we have an interview?" And I said, "Yeah, well, at some point." But I think you just probably caught me in a really good mood the next <laughs> time you asked me, and I was just like, "Yeah, why not? Let's do it." I'm glad I'm glad we managed to do that I was yeah. I said to Devin before we did this interview because we got her a little bit early I said I hope I hope when he liked that little clip of our podcast it was just one of many things that he likes on his Instagram you know he's scrolling through and he didn't actually pay attention to it but <laughs> apparently Marcus paid Wasn't attention to what he sees and got an embarrassed myself there the first question I have to ask you I have to give you a bit of context because it's a little bit weird when we interviewed Michael Italiano I told him I love doing accents and so I needed to know how to pronounce this one word. Now, he's obviously Australian. You are from New Zealand. I need to know how you say it in your land. Yogurt. Yogurt or yogurt? Um, right. I need to go back to my <laughs> Kiwi roots. Um, yogurt? Yeah, yogurt. That's a really important it, question. And thank you so much for answering that. <laughs> because, no, I know you'd, you'd, be, you'd be surprised, but I've lived away from New Zealand since I was like 14 years old. Yeah. And my, as you can tell, my accent is not Kiwi at all. It's like a mix of English, probably a little bit of Kiwi because I speak to my parents. So I still have a bit of a... You do have also the my sister, Yeah, a little bit. My sister is here on holiday with me as well. So at the moment, my Kiwi is stronger than usual. And then as well, I always have a little bit of the accent of like the last Netflix show I just watched. So I... So sometimes it's like a small American accent. I don't know. I'm changing my accent every single day. And it's really embarrassing when I listen to myself in interviews because I'm like, what is this accent? Like, I'm, it doesn't sound this bad when I'm speaking, but when I'm listening to it, it's just like all over the show. Oh, it's interesting. So yeah. we're going to talk a little more about your early career. So how did most sport first come into your life? Was it the main sport or did you have other sports you did as a kid? Um... Well, I'm pretty small, like in terms of size for a normal New Zealander. So everyone plays rugby, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. obviously. And if I played rugby, I would have my neck broken within, <laughs> within sure, five minutes. You're a driver. So, that means you've got a big neck. Yeah. Oh, true. All right. Yeah. All right. My <laughs> neck would be fine, but they would break my legs off probably. Yeah. And... <laughs> So when I started casting or like I at least tried it for the first time, it was almost like a way that I could be the biggest man in the room because if someone was annoying me off the track, I could very easily just put them in the wall casting because, you know, I sort of, yeah, I, I thought I was skillful as a, uh, when I was young. So it just sort of, yeah, it gave me a way out like to be, to be the biggest man because um, in New Zealand everyone is very you know physically big aggressive 
always like really athletic people and yeah karting was like my way of being that and talking about being... I don't think I answered I don't think I answered your question but <laughs> no um, you did you did you uh, even my it. sister yeah. my sister likes to remind me that she's a better skier than I am like on the snow because like when I was young um I would always be doing the national championships. There's New Zealand uh, karting championships the same weekend. My family would go skiing every single year. So I never learned to ski. And then one year I finally went skiing and I was horrendous. Like I couldn't even stay on my skis. So every time my sister talks about how good she is at sports, she always refers to the fact that she's better at skiing than I am. So it's pretty embarrassing. I feel like that's pretty standard sibling rivalry. I get it. (laughs) I respect it. Um, so you touched on it earlier about moving from New Zealand to, to Europe. What was that like at, at such a young age? Oh, um, well, that's uh, at the time, it, it didn't seem that significant. I mean, it did. But for me, it was just like, I'm off to go do some racing in Europe. Nothing more. You know, I've got a job to do. And that's to go win a European championship or you know, win an Italian national championship, whatever it is. And actually my mom didn't, I, I organized it with my mom. I would have been 13, probably just about to turn 14 when me and my dad, well, my dad agreed to let me go overseas because I already had some offers um, to, do, uh, to do casting over here, live over here, obviously. And I had to push so hard for my dad to let me go. After weeks of arguing with him and sort of negotiating in a way, he said, okay, you can go for like six months. But after that, you come back and we'll continue on the route that we had discussed earlier, which was to start testing Formula Ford and do Formula Four Australia and this sort of thing, which is, which is the more common route for New Zealand and Australian drivers. And I said, yeah, okay, sure. But I was quite sure that that was the last time I was going to be living at home. (laughs) And with all this going on, we sort of forgot to tell my mom. Um, Mm -hmm. So it would have been like a week, maybe two weeks before I left. Maybe even less. Maybe it was like five days or something before I left. And me and my dad are like, Dan, have we we told mom that you're (laughs) going over there yet? And I was like, oh god I've completely forgotten I haven't said anything to her so I went down to Christchurch where she lives and and told her and she didn't really react she's like oh that's so cool such a cool opportunity blah 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 and then the next morning I woke up to her like crying next to me you know she was like oh my god I've just realized that you're never going to be living at home with me again and I was like yeah that really puts it into perspective and yeah but like for me it wasn't like that it was like I'm going over to race and and I was super super you know self-motivated and independent as well Mm -hmm. so it wasn't like an issue for me and the casting season is so busy as well that you just go from like from like the 20th of January through to June is just like races every single weekend. So you you always have something to focus on. But then like there was a period of time where we weren't doing any racing. And I was like, um, you know, huh, this is what it's like to like live on your own. Yeah. And have to like cook for yourself, even though I'm a shocking cooker. You can ask Callum. But um (laughs) also like 
cleaning clothes and stuff like that. Yeah, I've never even had to think about this before. See, I can't believe you did that at such a young age. When I was yeah. 13, 14, I was fangirling over boy bands. Like, that's what I was doing <laughs> at the time. I was crying over, like, One Direction, Jonas Brothers, oh all of these people. God. And you're over to there be being fair, like, yeah, Europe. But to be fair, yeah. so was I. Like, Hannah Montana, man. Yeah. Come on. My first, I'm a biggest fan. My first concert was Miley Cyrus when I was eight I think that was my first concert and we left halfway through because I was upset it wasn't Hannah Montana it was just a Miley Cyrus concert and I was like well it probably it was probably the right time to see a Miley Cyrus concert because I saw her probably like 2013 maybe 2012 when she just you know changed a little bit yeah yeah no that was um, I think mine was right before that so that was maybe a good thing yeah and I remember going to that concert the Miley Cyrus concert with my parents right it was not the concert to go with your parents. <laughs> like, oh. It was it was very provocative. Like, I can imagine you can at imagine. that stage in her life. Yeah, it was. She was just at the. Yeah, you wouldn't. I wouldn't. Don't think I'd do that now. Be honest no. with you. Yeah, and also it was like in Auckland, New Zealand, which is like probably for her. She's like, where is even Auckland, New Zealand? No, it's just she's arrived, done the done a few concerts, and just completely taken the piss in a way. And it was <laughs> yeah. probably even worse than a normal one. You know, like. Not, not in terms of quality, but like in terms of being Density, quite out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was so cool. Making a, a U-turn from, from Miley. I don't <laughs> quite know how we managed that. But um, what was the, the best career advice you've received, whether it be, you know, growing up, as you say, or something more recent? The best career advice I've been given? Well... I get told a lot of things and it always it's always depending on the situation that I'm in. Um, at the moment, well, I was given some good advice last week, actually, which um, it's the most recent thing in my mind. So it was like, the older you get, the faster time goes. So you need to enjoy it while you are young. So that's sort of been my recent philosophy but that's not really career advice that's terrible <laughs> career advice um i would say that if you've listened to the beyond the grid podcast um there was jock claire yesterday or the day before and he is actually my driver coach in the fda and if you haven't listened to the podcast you definitely should because it's very honest and um and all the stories are very relevant to all of us in the FDA, but it's all about adapting and, and trying to learn because if you stay in the same place, you're always going to be eaten up by the competition, especially at this level. Um, and just constantly evolving because the sport is constantly evolving uh, on a technical sense, the tires in the car and the track is never the same every single lap. So you always mm -hmm. need to be evolving and adapting. So that's also good advice. Well, from someone who's not very technical, I don't know anything about a car, apart from I like watching them. Um, my advice to you, my career advice to you, Marcus, step on it. That's really good advice. <laughs> so obviously getting onto Ferrari, my main thing is like, how do you get involved with such a big team like Ferrari? Like, do they come to you? Do you go to them? Like, how do you go about that? So I was doing karting with Tony Karts and they were, um, they sort of had an affiliation with the FDA with Massimo Rivola, he was um, quite close with Roberto Rabazzi, Mr. Rabazzi, who's the boss of Tony Kart. And, um, and he actually, Massimo came to, 
I think just to test or like we were at the track and he just came to introduce himself to all the drivers. And obviously I introduced myself, um, you know, nothing, nothing special, just basically high and by, how are you? That's it. And then um, the following weekend um, I was in Hockenheim sort of as a guest for high tech in Mm -hmm. formula three because uh, Ollie Oaks was my manager when I was really young and he's the boss of high tech. So I just went for a bit of a laugh and I, um, I actually went with Ollie's mate and we were just having fun and just watching the racing. And then I saw Massimo there who was obviously there with Prema, I think Mm -hmm. looking after Joe and he was in the hospitality, the F3 hospitality, just sitting on his own, I think having lunch. I just grabbed my plates and I went and sat with him and we started chatting. He didn't actually remember me until I said my name. He didn't, he didn't recognize my face, but he knew my name. And, um, and I, we basically, we started discussing what's your plan for next year. And he asked me what I thought of that and, and if I'd consider a different route. And obviously, yes, I would consider a different route. So I told him that. And yeah, we went, we, we discussed further. We exchanged uh, contact details and he said hey I'm having a um, an F4 scouting next week in Fiorano in Marinello with like five other guys you'd be a great person to come and join as well mm-hmm. um, and I don't think he thought much of it he just he invited me to do the scouting there was uh, Vidales, David Vidales, uh, Enzo Fittipaldi, Colombo, Lorenzo Colombo was there mm-hmm. a couple of other guys and um, I was the quickest on the day <laughs> And he actually told me that night that he'd like to sign me to the FDA and testing starts like next week in Mizano and Formula 4 with Prema. And I was like, this is pretty crazy. Like two weeks ago, I didn't even know you. And now like you're inviting me to the FDA. It was pretty crazy. Obviously, we had to get like some contractual stuff out of the way first because, you know, you have to do things properly in Ferrari very professional in that way so mm-hmm. it did take some time to get everything confirmed but we started preparing straight away for the following season in Formula 4 and it was it all happened really quickly and it was it was very much a dream come true because when you're karting and you see these these academies affiliated to Formula 1 teams that's where you want to be you know it's the it's so professional in a way and also the amount of exposure that the drivers get from these academies is, is mega so when I was doing casting I was like looking at these guys like superstars you know so obviously it's my it's my target to be in there and then yeah within a couple of weeks suddenly I was and it was a fantastic fantastic opportunity and I'm still happy to be here just like that you're attached to this prestigious yeah. name just literally like that is amazing what was it what was it actually like having a name like that though because obviously Ferrari is such a big name like Anyone, anyone and everyone knows the name Ferrari. Like, what's it like racing under a name like Ferrari? Uh, it's, it's obviously, it brings a good amount of pressure because you have a lot of eyeballs, obviously. Uh, all the Italian media and people and fans are always supporting you a lot more than your average driver. The Italians, they just love you to bits. It's mm. just, it is almost my home race. Yeah. And the fans are like, I've never, since I was in F4, they support me like I'm clerk in F4. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious to know, what do you guys think about the FDA from the outside? 
that is our favorite driver academy we did yeah. a whole podcast on it and we think that is the only one that's genuinely that's... working the only one that's good like not to say any others but are their drivers actually making the step up well no No, they're not no look at red bull red bull the drivers make it up but only if you're a favorite yeah you then you get up there and you fail because they don't support you like it's not the fda do it right and they make all the drivers likable in the media as well yeah out of everyone i'd say they're like camaraderie comes across most from the FDA in terms mm-hmm. of like being more of a, a family or whether just like Prema in general always seems like such a, a good environment for for people to grow up through. You can't talk about Prema when he drives for dams, Devin. I get it, I get it. I mean, <laughs> I, I agree that, that the Prema media department is very good. Very, very good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Angelina, she does a really, really good job with that. Yeah. And also, we have uh, Laura in the FDA, who also does a really good job. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's, it's interesting to hear what other people think, like completely outside of this department, yeah. you know, whether, what do you think we could be doing better? Go on, tell me. More content. <laughs> Give More me content. That when it's, when it's, summer like this I actually have something to do with my life rather than sit and just think about myself all the time and cry (laughs) talking about formula two moving on to that I'm interested to know about what the jumps are like so obviously the jump from formula three to formula two what is like what is that like for you and then what is the difference between changing teams as well is that a big adjustment to make or is it kind of okay because you're in the same category uh formula two is a whole different ball game yeah. to F3. I mean, F3, it's it is tough just because the level is high. But the level is high when you when you get to to you know the pointy end in any sport. But uh, F2 is just difficult to master the car. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure that you get bored of listening to the commentators talk about tires, and you may as well be driving a Formula Three car and a Formula Two race. So mm-hmm. it really is. <laughs> these small details because they make a difference whereas in f3 like you can sort of get away with quality warm-up procedure or pushing too hard at the beginning of a race or something like as an f2 if you do this you just you have no chance so that arrived in f2 um anyway moving on from that i was curious because obviously the formula two and the formula two and formula three format has changed this year and because we don't have F2 and F3 overlapping on weekends at the minute, you have these huge gaps between racing. And I'm intrigued from a driver's perspective, is this possibly hindering your performance because you're out of the car so long? Or are you getting the benefit from having more time to prepare for the next race? Oh, well, I think you know the answer to that. (laughs) (laughs) I had to ask it. I know. But I think every driver would have the same opinion that it's better to be racing more often. Yeah. Because you just, I mean, we are racing drivers and we are used to, yeah, exactly. We want to be driving. We want to be learning as well because, okay, you can do a lot of preparation for the race, but, you know, the beauty of F2 is almost how unpredictable it is. So there's only so much you can really prepare for until it just becomes a bit tedious, you know? So for me, I would prefer to be doing more races 
Um, Such a surprise to hear that from a driver. More races. Well, yeah. I was actually <laughs> speaking to to Dan Tickton recently, and he actually had a very funny thing to say about it. Uh, he said that he's a full-time video gamer, part-time racing car driver. Oh, yeah. And that's just <laughs> yeah. the reality yeah. of, of the season, you know? How difficult. After a tough race, perhaps you didn't finish the race, perhaps you just had a bad result, poor qualifying. How difficult, how difficult is it to get into the right mindset for the next week? Is it just something you've learned to do or is it something you actually have to put a lot of effort into? What's difficult is having a long break after a bad race. That is the worst. And like we were speaking about it actually with my engineers, you know, if we could bounce back from one bad weekend, like if we were racing the following weekend, we would be able to manage our emotions so much better because we'd immediately be looking at the next thing. And that's like, that's really important is always looking forward and taking the positives away from negative situations. For me personally, I don't like having to wait a long time. Like, like we just discussed, doing more races is, is obviously better. Um, but yeah, when we have to wait for like eight weeks, for example, after a bad race weekend, there's nothing worse, you know, it just mm-hmm. almost, because you're only as good as your last race. And um, that's the common, common saying in motorsport. So, um, you know, and you're always, you're always analyzing things that, you know, there's so many variables involved. Like I said, Formula 2 is so unpredictable that there's, there's so many variables involved that you start to overanalyze things that probably don't necessarily need to be analyzed. So it's important just to take the, the simple things, take the positives, and obviously look at the negatives and make sure that they don't happen again. But um you know negative things are always going to happen in formula two that's just the reality of the championship like you can even go through three races in the weekend for example this season the amount of the amount of um the amount of differences and emotions that you have through the weekend it's just insane yeah like from you know being on the podium to being a race and then it's just constantly fluctuating so that but that's easier because you're immediately onto the next race. You're mm-hmm. you're straight away thinking about the race in the afternoon or something. And now, like the situation I'm in now, I'm waiting eight weeks till Monza. One of my favorite tracks on the calendar, so I'm I'm very excited. But I'm also like constantly thinking of you know you have a bad feeling because the last race didn't go as well as you wanted it to. So yeah. it's the long breaks that's the real tough thing about it. This is, this is random, but we interviewed Greg McColl last week, Motorsport Mind Coach. Hit him up if you ever need a hand. I'm sure you might know him already, but he's amazing. And he's so intelligent. He's worked with anyone and everyone you can think of. And he is the best. So obviously just some like general questions. If you could share the podium with any two drivers, who would you choose? Hmm. Um... I'm assuming you'd put yourself on the top step. Yeah, the top. you're on the top step, obviously. <laughs> yeah, um, I would say the well, one of my favorite podiums was in Zanvoort a couple of years ago in F3. I didn't win the race, unfortunately. I finished second, but Ralph Aaron won and uh, Guan Yu Zhou was third. Mm-hmm. And we had like a special handshake. I don't know if you've seen the video, but we like we had like this little special handshake that we'd been preparing the entire week. We were like, when we're on the podium together, we have to do this. And... Mm-hmm. So we, we did this complicated handshake or whatever. 
it's the funniest thing ever. We actually botched it when we got up there. We didn't do it properly. And uh, but, we, but there was also like the, there was like, you know, the behind the scenes cameras um, mm -hmm. behind the podium. And there's like us practicing this handshake. <laughs> Oh God! You'll have to you'll have to look at it. I think it's race one Zanvor, uh, twenty eighteen F three. It's so funny. I'm gonna have. But to that I would now. say, yeah, that I would say is probably my one of my favorite podiums. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. So obviously another random one. You having dinner with two drivers, dead or alive? Who would you pick? Um. Well, I would. Firstly, I'd say there's a couple of guys that obviously alive that i would like to have dinner with like yeah. mates let's say um yuri vips is always fun to go out with mm -hmm. go out for a dinner with him um and together with that probably um kimmy raikkonen so the two scandinavians i don't know if estonia counts as a scandinavian country no i don't know geography <laughs> No, isn't, I isn't it Estonia in Europe? Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Lily, Lily, well there. More importantly, we know where you, we know who you're going to dinner with, but where yeah. are you going? Where are you going? Yeah. Um, I'm going ooh, anywhere where there's where pizza and pasta. Pizza with pineapple. Oh, no, yeah. no, get yeah. out! Get out! Oh. Comedy I don't know if there's that. any question that divides people quite Desi like. It divides the nation, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, I, I think pineapple belongs on it. Come on. Yeah, singled out the here. The reason I tell it and I get like a really, really good reaction out of them, it's really funny. Yeah. A good That's reaction? Awesome. A good reaction or is it a bad it reaction? Good? Terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Thought so. Thought so. You're lining up on the grid for the race of your dreams. I don't want to know the whole whole grid because that's a lot of drivers. But what drivers would you want to be on the grid with you? Say you're in Formula One, you're in a Ferrari, front of the grid, your P1, pole position. Who's yeah. right behind you? All right. I would say on the side, Milos, mm -hmm. because I know he'll have a bad start and I'll beat him down to turn one. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> If there's any races in specific that you would love to be involved in, or is F1 the kind of main goal? Um, let's see. Well, Formula One is everybody's dream. It's yeah. um, it's something that I've watched on TV since I was like four years old, and I've been playing playing Formula One since I was yeah the same age. And it's a reason that it's just so popular among among young guys. It, it's exotic. It's extremely competitive the best engineers work there and the cars are just real having driven an f1 car myself i would say that it's it almost reminded me like why i'm pushing so hard to be here just because yeah. it, it's like driving you know something that you didn't really know was possible you you want to end up on that apex or you know it's so easy to get there so accurate to drive so um F1 is obviously the pinnacle and, and for the time being, I'm like 100% committed to getting there and being with yeah. Ferrari. Um, but I'm also interested in motorsport in general. I'm, I'm just a motorsport fan. I love, um, I love endurance racing. I love IndyCar. I love karting. You name it. I'm a massive fan. 
mm-hmm. uh, MotoGP as well. Yes. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's all fascinating to me. Even bike racing, you know, like. Would you I get on two maybe, I don't know, way. Eh? I don't think my dad would allow me to do that. It's so much. It's so dangerous, <laughs> yeah, it, isn't it? Obviously, yeah. most sports are ridiculously dangerous anyway with four wheels, but then two wheels, I feel like, oh, my heart can't take it when I'm watching yeah. it. I'm like, no, oh, please don't. Stop it. Yeah, V8 supercars, V8 supercars in America, um, sorry, Australia, is really cool as well. Um, if you haven't seen it before, like Bathurst, it's like yeah. a full-on event in New Zealand. It's like a six-hour race, starts at like midday finishes obviously at like 6 p.m and when i was young everyone would just have a big party watching this race it's it's like the super bowl for for racing fans in new zealand and australia it's great that sounds amazing we could get behind that yeah 100 yeah, yeah. <laughs> no bathurst is a beautiful track that's like my favorite track i think it's just come on it's one of the best that's cool, yeah <laughs> yeah and so you're hypothetically you've made it to f1 that's all that's going to happen one day um, you've got that Ferrari seat. Who's your teammate going to be? If you could pick, what would be a, a dream teammate to have? Well, I'd have to answer like it's something important to have a teammate who understands what he wants from the car um, and someone who's also intelligent because, you know, you want to be pushing in the same direction. You don't want to be fighting against your teammate to develop things on a car that, you know, is going to hinder your performance, but maybe maybe help his you know um but i would say that mick schumacher was a good one he was always he was a good teammate to have he was really straightforward knew what he wanted and for me it was almost a positive for the entire team so that was really good and i also enjoyed being his teammate you know um from a like from a more of a fun perspective i would have to say i know you want me to say this because you know in f1 mm-hmm. i would say it'd be a pretty pretty good driver lineup yeah <laughs> it'd be a lot of band would be just yeah enjoyable if if you and mick schumacher were teammates at ferrari hypothetically i would be fully converted to a ferrari fan mm-hmm. mclaren would be in the bin so you know if they want an extra fan who will buy every single piece of merch because that's I'll, the kind I'll of person i am yeah they should make that happen ferrari if you're listening please make make it happen <laughs> the people have yeah. spoken the people have spoken yeah okay so you said that you would come on here if if we didn't ask you boring questions so i was like crap i'm a boring person yeah so i've got a little quick fire round for you it's just a one word answer it's like a this or that some of them some of them i need a bit more from um but i'm just gonna go through these and i, ne- I yeah. need your answer honesty is the best policy let me remind you okay dan ticked more calamite yeah. lot calamite lot cheat day or rest day rest day street circuits or normal tracks street circuits Ooh. big night out drinking or a chilled night watching films both <laughs> big respect <laughs> for that well yeah. done good answer yeah. Favorite Netflix show? Ooh, hmm. Maybe Suits. Okay. Grid penalty or a time penalty? Grid penalty. Aston Martin safety car or Mercedes safety car? Mercedes safety car. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. It was right. You're so wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Driver penalty or a team penalty? Dams are listening. I've I've never. even heard of a team penalty oh, like a team before. penalty yeah, like you know fine. where they get a fine yeah 
Well, I've never had, I've never seen that before, but I can imagine if the team did get a penalty, the driver would end up paying for it. So it would both be a driver penalty. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. No, probably driver penalty because then you're, you're sacrificing yourself. You're falling on the sword yeah. for your team. That's <laughs> well done. Good, good one. Dams are yeah. keeping you in your seat. FDA aren't <laughs> dropping you just. <laughs> you fine with that one. Pit lane speed, faster or slower? Faster. Because F1 is faster. They do 80Ks yeah. now. We do 60. When you're on the podium, are you wanting Moe Champagne or Ferrari Prosecco? Dompe. Did you Favorite? get that? No, I didn't actually get that. I'm just going to pretend I did. <laughs> Dompey. Dompey. I, yeah. I don't get it. Dompey. I'm really slow. <laughs> Please can someone elaborate? No? Okay, fine. I guess I'm just going to be in the dark for this You're going to leave Sid with that one. Favourite motorsport movie? Uh, no. Maybe Rush? Yeah, that's okay. the choice. Yeah. Classic. Motorsport uh, movies because they frustrate drive to survive because it just frustrates me like it's just not real you know but like what about talladega nights which is a complete comedy and it's oh meant my to be ridiculous. god yes talladega Best nights film. that is maybe that's my favorite movie full stop like good it's anything will ferrell especially that best movie ever taste marcus armstrong has taste everybody yeah. <laughs> okay final of the quick fire round favorite song at the minute in the ghetto. Right. Before we let you get on with your day, because Marcus Armstrong's a busy man, he has stuff to do, people yeah. to see. I'm going to ask you a Formula One related question. Who is going to win the championship this year? I would say probably you'd be silly to, to bet against Lewis, wouldn't you? I mean, he's just a bit of a hero. He's a bit of a machine, Lewis. Mm -hmm. When you watch Lewis from, from out, it's pretty unbelievable what he does. Me yeah. and Jahan Daravala, we always joke, this guy breaks. Like, yeah. Lewis is always the late corner. He's the guy from FP1 through to the last lap of the race is breaking later than everyone. Well, yeah. seemingly from the onboard videos anyway. Even if he doesn't have the car to do it, I would still put my money on him. Well, Marcus, thank you so much for joining us. We hope everyone has enjoyed listening to this episode. A little bit of insight from an actual driver who drives cars. Make sure everyone follows at Sector One Podcast on all social medias. See you next week. Thank you. See you next week. Yeah. Thank you, oh guys. God. We can say see you next Tuesday.